Welcome to episode 26 of the James Murua Literary Podcast. Today's guest is Zimbabwe-born, USA-based Munashe Kasege, the writer of the debut short story collection, Send Her Back and Other Stories, as well as the founder of independent publisher Mukana Press. In our episode, she speaks about her writing, her journey as a publisher, and how she hopes to navigate the markets both in the USA and on the continent. Enjoy! Hello, Munashe. Thank you for agreeing to be on the James Mura Literary Podcast. Karibu sana. Thank you for having me. Is Munashe short for anything? I know Zimbabweans have longer versions of stuff. No, Munashe is the full name. It means God's with us. Ah, so God is with us. Welcome to the podcast. What I'm going to ask you first is, uh, because I know my audience may not know who you are, and um, you're Zimbabwean born and bred. Tell us a little bit about your Zimbabwean born and bred experience. And, you know, uh, it says you're, you're raised in Harare. Yes, born and raised in Harare. I grew up in a suburb right outside, about 20 minutes outside of the city. My mom's a nurse. My father's a teacher. So I grew up in a very middle class upbringing. In high school, I went to an all-girls Catholic boarding school and was there for a good six years. While there, I ended up receiving a scholarship to be able to study in the U.S., but most of my childhood was spent in Harare. I do have a grandmother who's in Bulawayo, so I spent a lot more time with, in a very different neighborhood. It's more like a high-density area, what your people would call like the ghetto area. And then I also have family who lived in the village. So I have a pretty well-rounded background of like all the different areas of Zimbabwe. You're raised by the, um, your, your middle-class family. How do you end up in the United States? I knew I wanted to study abroad. And for some reason, I'd already decided I was going to go to pharmacy school. When I found out about this program called the United States Students Achievers Program that was run by the U.S. Embassy in Harare, I decided to apply and essentially um, what they do is, at least what the programs change a little bit now, but what they did at the time is they would accept about 20 to 30 students with really good grades for all levels. And then they would help you apply for full scholarships to study in the U.S. So I happened to be fortunate enough to be part of the cohorts that I graduated of students that they selected. And because I wanted to go just to pharmacy school, I only applied to six-year pharmacy schools in the United States, and uh, the one that gave me the most financial aid is the one that I ended up attending. Okay, so so now you're in the U.S., you, you, you do your six years, uh, and, and you become a pharmacist. Yes. How did you end from this pharmacy thing to this writing thing? I mean, were you reading a lot, a lot as a younger person? Uh, were you writing as a younger person? Yeah, I, I was. And it's it's funny how when I look back uh, to my life, my first grade teacher always talks about every time we came to school, we had to practice our handwriting. And when you practice our handwriting, she'd make you write a story of on my way to school. And she always joked that she always struggled with Monashe because I would make up these stories of like, our house burnt down and I got bitten by a dog on my way to school. But I always wanted to write elaborate stories every morning when really she wanted us to write two or three lines just to make sure that we practice our handwriting. And then the first prize I remember winning outside of just school was a competition in all of Harare in grade two. 
but they gave us a picture and you had to write what you saw in the picture. So that was the first certificate or first award I won that was outside of just the ones that from my primary school. And then even through pharmacy school, I would take creative writing courses, but it was just really a matter of passion. It was one of those hobbies that I loved, but with how I grew up, you just would never consider writing as a career option. So even though I read a lot, even though I was writing, it was always for fun. It was always a hobby. And I never thought that I would actually publish any of my work. What were you reading? Oh, okay. So my reading changed a lot from when I was younger to when I got to college and then soon thereafter. When I was younger, a lot of what I read were British or um, American novels. It was your Nancy Drews. It was your Hardy Boys. It was Goosebumps and Sweet Valley High. Like that's what I had available. So that's what I read a lot of. And then when I got to college, I started to discover writers who were from other countries who wrote about their, their home countries, writers of color. And everyone from like your more common favorites, like your uh, Chimamanda to like Afghan writers as well. But I just started to kind of come out of my bubble. And I think it was at that point that my story shifted and I felt like there needs to be more Zimbabwean stories. I need to be able to tell more stories from this point of view, other than the point of view that I had just, you know, grown up with and the types of stories that had been fed to me as a child. I know that um, at the moment, Zimbabwe has some very well-known and very you know, highly regarded writers, you know, Tinagapa yes. and No Violet. Would you tell us a little bit about these Zimbabwean writers who are now doing their thing? Yeah, um, I actually owe a lot to them. I think I discovered most of these, sad to say, but really probably toward the end of my college career and right after. I'm a big fan of Petina Gapa. I've probably read all of her books, like love her uh, short stories as well. Same thing with No Violet. I haven't read Glory, but um, I did read the We Need New Names. Glory's still sitting on my desk in my to-be-read pile. But yeah, I think they they have been so instrumental in just bringing Zimbabwean literature to light. I think a lot of them tend to write their characters based out of Zimbabwe. And I love the way that they portray our culture, the way they play with language. Patina, for example, I think I learned a lot from her because she tends not to translate. When she writes, she'll just put a Shana phrase and she doesn't always translate. And I've loved that so much. Um, and there's a lot of that I've like learned in, in my own writing where I felt like I need to translate. And I'll say, this won't translate the same. I'm just going to leave it as. So they have been so instrumental in me finding my voice and me also just getting the confidence to say if they've made it if you have writers like this then obviously there's there's a market for this somewhere right like it, it, it sort of gave me the courage to break out from the stories i've been taught as, as a child that the only stories that will sell are stories by westerners you started writing um your own stories uh, what, what kind of stories are you writing what what is your what is your preferred genre? What do you what do you like writing about? So right now, I just released my debut book. It's not a month in, well, probably three weeks since I released it. It's called Send Her Back and Other Stories. And it's a short story collection. And I, all of my protagonists are mostly Zimbabwean women who live in the United States. I felt there was something 
different about writing the immigrant experience, but not just any immigrant experience, but the Zimbabwean woman immigrant experience. I think even as I look at other Zimbabwean authors, that's not an angle that I read about a lot. And I felt like since this has been my lived experience, I've lived in the United States for but almost 15 years now. I have had a lot of experiences that I felt like I could tap into some of those experiences and into some of that emotion to be able to tell compelling stories. I, I want to ask a, a little bit about other writers apart from the Zimbabwean writers. Are, are there other African writers, apart from, whether it's men or women, that, are, that you are currently enjoying or have been enjoying, whether it's from the past with the cities uh, to the now? One I discovered, I've been, uh, I picked up Lolway, uh, like the magazine, the online magazine, and I've like just loved that. And it's introduced me, sort of taken me down this like rabbit trail of writers. I'm so such a fan of Troy and like the work that he's putting out. But through then, I, through that, I ended up discovering other writers. So like Remy, I discovered Remy through that as well. Uh, and I picked up his book as well, which was also really refreshing to have stories that are it's just college students that are having fun in South Africa. And he's like working through the issues of identity from being somebody from who like lives in Namibia, goes to school in Cape Town, but is from, I want to see what was, what's his home country. I'm going to butcher that now. I don't remember, but you have those, those types of voices that are new and fresh that I've absolutely loved in of course, combination of like your um, older writers, you know, that, I still love the, a lot of the classics as well, like your Dumbledore's and stuff. I still read some of his work, even though it's been, you know, decades. It's just such an eclectic writer. Uh, your your book, uh, which came out, uh, when, uh, tell us about the Center back. You know, when did it come out? How was it received by the market? You know, how has it done? So the book came out. It's only been three weeks. So July twenty fifth was the day that it came out, and I'll start telling you about the book. So, like I mentioned, it's. Zimbabwean protagonists, all most of them living in the United States. And the characters range from characters who are a lot less sure of themselves. They just arrived in the US. They're trying to find their place to characters who are more established and are doing well in the corporate world, are changing things, are sure of themselves, will do whatever it takes to succeed. And they're not your like shy, well-behaved, um, like, you know, immigrants, like a lot of the stereotypes tend to be. I also have characters from like single women to single mothers. I have a lot of family issues, a lot of identity issues as well. So whether it's for somebody like me who's lived in the US for a while, uh, there are times where you go back home and you're so excited to be home, but then you find that maybe you've missed out on some of the new slang that's coming out. And so when people talk, you get lost sometimes and you're like, what does that word mean? And so that makes you feel a little bit like you're an imposter or you're like, less of Zimbabwean because you don't know all the lingo. But then of course, when you're in the US, you also don't feel like you belong 100% either. So then you end up with this like weird identity crisis of like, where do I actually belong? So I tap into everything from fun dating stories to struggling with like my immigration system to struggling to find your place as a black woman during like the Trump era, for example, where there's just a lot of hatred and, and bigotry that's going towards people of color. Uh, how has it been received so far? And if I want to get this book, where, where could I get it? If you want to get it, so right now um, it's available on Amazon, it's available Barnes & Noble, it's available pretty much any independent bookstore in the United States. Still trying to figure out like our Africa distribution system, so more to come there Like once once we have done a little bit more work. 
but it's been received really well. I have gotten a couple starred reviews from organizations that tend to do book reviews. I've had a ton of reviews from the Seattle Book Review, Manhattan Book Review, San Francisco Book Review that have all been largely positive. We did a promotion on Bookish First, and that's also been really well received. And typically for books that are new, I think we already have like on Goodreads, which is which tends to be pretty big, especially in the US, on gauging how well books are doing. We already have 150 reviews that have been logged off just people talking about the book, which is pretty big for a book that's only been out for three weeks. So Still really early, but I am excited with, you know, the chatter that we've seen for the first three weeks so far. Um, I'm just going to call out, are you, are you willing to get uh, to send book, uh, copies to reviewers? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I will. And I will send them for free as well. Like we've got um, a bunch of copies and I'm looking, I'm always looking for reviewers. So if there's anybody out there that wants a book, send us an email, partnerships at com, and we will make sure that we get you a book. Excellent. And it can be anywhere on the continent. It doesn't have to be in the U.S. Anywhere on the continent. Um, we're actually in the process of uh, mailing books out to a lot of the other authors for Mukana Press. So we've had to be figuring out anyway. We are going to be doing quite a lot of like big mailings for a lot of the authors that are based in Africa. And I think between the poetry collection that has like 51 poets and the short, another short story collection that has 12, we probably are mailing out like 65 different 65 different packages to places all over Africa. So yeah, wouldn't mind adding a few more to that if we needed to. Uh, great. Now you're talking about like you're doing, um, you're doing a poetry collection and I know that's with Mukana Press. You, you want to tell me a bit about this Mukana Press? What's the story? Where did it yeah. come from and what's the story? After I started writing uh, a little more seriously, I joined the San Francisco Writers Workshop. This is probably like four or five years ago. And every week I would take my stories. This is still at the point where I thought this is a hobby. Never even crossed my mind that this would be anything I would do professionally or as a career or put my work out. But just through a lot of their uh, encouragement, I ended up finishing this collection and getting their feedback and got the confidence to start submitting to small presses. So submitted to small presses in the U.S. and I got picked up by a few. But as I would go through and read most of the contracts, I realized that there was a lot that I didn't like about how the publishing world structures contracts. And I was struggling with this, not necessarily because these companies were doing anything unscrupulous. It was this just how the publishing industry is. And then the more that I've been it, I understand like why some of it is, is, is that way. But I work for a pharmacy startup in Silicon Valley. And during one of those weekends, I was sitting with like a bunch of people who are like some of the leaders within the company and help with some of the funding with the company. And I ended up just as we we're chatting, talking about how over the weekend I had to make this decision because I'd gotten I two weeks to make a decision on whether I wanted to sign with one of the companies or not. And the more we talked, I started venting about, you know, the types of literature that was available to me when I was growing up in Zimbabwe, about how African voices just tend not to have much of a platform, especially when you're in the US, talked about the barriers around marketing and promotion. And if a book's going to do well, it needs to have the right funding behind it. But long story short, um, ended up getting an offer to be able to fund. They're like, this is like a great vision. Like, what do you need to do to make this happen? So ended up getting like a ridiculous amount of investment to be able to start this press and figure out how to do it and do it well and be able to have the room to 
fail without being worried about like, oh, we're going to run out of money. But you could really just experiment, do what you love, like learn, and then see what happens from there. That's how Makana Press started. From there, we've since grown our team. So there's like four core people that sit on the team. One's in Nigeria, one's in Zimbabwe, there's me, and then one's in Kenya. And then we obviously have like a bunch of like contractors that work with us for everything from editing to marketing to publicists and so forth. But that is the basic story of how Makana Press came to be. Have you left the pharmacy industry? I know you're in the publishing industry full time. Right now, I'm in a place where I'm trying to figure out what that transition looks like. I haven't entirely left yet. However, with the amount of work that we've had to put in, I think the big thing that I have done really is just making sure I get the right people in place. I'm still fairly new to this industry, and I don't claim to know how everything works, and neither do I want to lead all of the different places. So really what I've done is leaned on industry experts. So I haven't necessarily needed to spend all of my time figuring out like the logistics of the books. All I've done is made sure that I interview the right people and the right professionals for each of the groups, then bring them together to make sure that the mechanics of the publishing company work well. How you, you know how the Mukana Press uh, works? I would like to tell some of the products that you have. You mentioned a poetry book, you mentioned other products. So what are the products you already have? So we have the poetry collection, which I'm super proud of right now because we just earned a Kirka star and that is one of the like the biggest like stamps of approval you can receive, at least in, in the U.S. world. But we put that out and I think we found out it's probably been less than a week that we found out that that book earned a Kirkus star, which is like such encouragement for a press that sort of went out and be like, we're going to do the best we can and we'll see what happens. We'll get better over time. And that's Nyasha is full credit to him. He's the poetry editor. He's based out of Zimbabwe and he handpicked every single poet. They are 51 poets from, I want to say 30 countries from across Africa, different genders and a whole like slew of issues. But he did such a great job putting that together. So that's one. And then, and that's technically not out yet. That'll be out September 5th. And then the second one is a short story collection. And this was in part inspired by just all the African literary magazines that are out there. Like there's some stellar work that's been put out online. And it sort of like breaks my heart that it like is online, but then outside of that readership, like nothing else tends to happen with that. So we have a short story collection that has 12 different writers. A few of those stories were actually handpicked. I handpicked some of like my favorites from like other magazines that I'd read from Estelle or from Lolwe and said, hey, we'd love to have you be part of this. Like, even though they have like the digital rights, can we get the print rights and hopefully be able to like introduce you to a bigger audience in the US? So yeah, we have that out as well. And then we have up two more full length novels that we are still, we don't know that they'll necessarily make it out this year because we don't want to rush and then end up putting out a subpar product, but we are working through a lot of the edits around that, the developmental edits, the hope that those will be released sometime next year. A lot of the people who listen to this podcast are Africans and yes. you're in the US and you're trying to navigate the US publishing scene. Would you like to tell us a little bit about this and what does it look like? You know, so that um, do we need to be rushing there? Or we need to be worrying about setting up our... <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, gosh, that is, um, I think it's both, right? I think we definitely need like those anchors, like Masobe Press, like everybody who is 
in the continent, grounded, doing their own thing, growing. I think instead of like asking for a sit at the table, like making room and like carving out your own spaces is really what's important. So I love all the work that's being done by like African presses who are based out of Africa. And I think we need to continue to do more of that until we're big enough and loud enough and have the right funding to be able to compete on a world stage. At the same place as well, I think, um, especially for the U.S. market, and I, I feel particularly passionate about this because I'm in the U.S. and I do have the resources for it. But I think it's important for us to like break through. You tend to find that a lot of the books that if a book does well in the U.S. and if it's a bestseller in the U.S., it's almost a guarantee that it's going to be a bestseller for the rest of the world. And if this is already an existing market and we have the funds to be able to compete, whether it's marketing dollars or whatever, like we can go head to head with these traditional companies. And if a book fails, like I always say, if one of our book fails, I want it to fail because the work is not great, but I don't want it to ever fail because people didn't hear about it or because we didn't make enough noise about that. So we still have a lot to learn, but I think it's also really important for us to not only grow the Af like the African stage, but to find ways to like break through that U.S. market that is so established um, and like, you know, have put our own uh, stand in the ground. Your two pro the two projects that are already almost you know available to us, you've worked with other you know been collections of you know poetry and prose, um, and it's been writers from across the continent. Um, how how do you market that? Like, how does marketing project like work? Whether it's on the continent or the US. So again, like I said earlier, since like all I'm doing is helping get the right minds in place. So a lot of what I've done with marketing has rely, has been relying on publicists who have marketed other books that have done well in the US. Like I might do a little bit, my team might do some other outreach, but most of our professional outreach is outsourced. So whether we are working directly with, we're gonna have a lot of stuff coming with like Book Riot, which is like pretty big in the US and they have like quite a bit of a following. So we're going to have a few things happening there. We'll do a few other podcasts with other like bigger companies that are out there. We are applying to every like any bigger book reviews that we can find because that like once you get picked up, like the Kirkus Star, for example, gave us like quite a bit of a boost and a lot of attention and requests. So we started finding getting like more and more requests from some names that are pretty big that I think I, I get almost a little scared saying because like it implies so much. And I'm like, well, what if it doesn't work out? So but. We've had a lot of like really cool bigger names like reach out to us and say they want to work with us because of that. So really it's a range of things I think we're going to try. I don't know that anybody necessarily has the magic trick on like what makes a book works work. Otherwise everybody would do it, right? So I think it's in chance going by the publicists who've done this for a while, but also trying everything we can and just not being too caught up on how much of an audience is this avenue going to give us versus another. If it's an avenue that's available to us, try it. The worst thing that can happen is we learn next year we know that's not as productive don't do that spend more of your money or more of your time on something else writing is a full-time job as it, on its own and publishing yes. is a full-time job on its own how do you plan to mix this too it's not an easy thing yeah no it's it's definitely not an easy thing and i think i'm learning that right now because i'm barely doing any any writing which is never good for uh, any writer to go through like a period where you, you don't feel like you're writing a lot um, I think I, I, over the next six months, I really do have a lot of decisions, not just with, with the writing space, but even just with my own life to try to figure out like where I want to lean in and where, what I want to do the most of. And then again, I keep saying for the publishing, all I do 
is coordinate getting the right professionals in place. But I am not doing all of the editing. I am not sourcing all of the work. I am not doing all the marketing. I am not applying for. All I do is make sure that I get the right people in place. And that takes a lot less time than if I was like, I don't know, like your editor in chief, for example. And I, I hesitate to give myself that title because I am the founder and I'm helping put people in place. But like all the other work that's going out is the effort of multiple people, some like on the African continent, others who are established here. I'm not Mukana Press, like I'm just the face of it, but not by any means the reason that like it runs day to day. If somebody wants to get your writing, the writing of your publishers, how am I get how are they gonna get off your writer, the your writer's work? Where do they get that? I think, like I said, especially for on the African side, uh, we have a couple conversations going to try to find the right distribution. What we're finding is you have people who will distribute pretty well, like on West Africa or on um, in Kenya, but then they don't necessarily distribute to like other African countries. So I'll be honest and say we haven't cracked the African distribution system yet if you want to help us i will take email us i will take uh whatever advice and learning but we haven't cracked that code we found that we can probably get into five or six countries at best but even then you're trying to figure out what's the right how much the right amount to like print uh and then how you're getting it into like stores and stuff and i've had a lot of really good conversations with the, the founder like uh for masovia press for example like just so i can learn like english press we've had conversations with them in kenya as well just so we can learn no final decisions have been made for now like our more established network is our u.s network so it'll be amazon barnes and noble like any u.s libraries like you have we have a pretty extensive network pretty much anywhere books are sold in the u.s you can find our books for those who specifically want review copies, I will say this over and over again. Like my goal with Mukana Press is not to, for us to like make any money. I expect that we're going to be learning and putting a lot out for a while. Like, the, And that's really the goal is to get our work out there. So if you are listening and you really, really want a copy, email us. <laughs> Depending on how many, I don't know how many like requests I will get from this, but I promise you, we will look at all of those reviews and we will gladly send you free copies as well. I mean, the, the African continent is a billion plus people with thousands of languages. Uh, we've just been talking about books written in English. Are you, are you any thoughts about doing books in other languages? Yeah, we've we've definitely thought about it. But like you said, it is a huge undertaking and not something I feel I am equipped to be the person that leads. So I think if we find the right partner, so somebody who maybe has done this before, maybe it's done whether their translations that they've done or maybe they've worked on a few projects in a particular country and we can find that expert add them to the makana team this could be an avenue that's like maybe we start to build out i definitely agree with you like it's it's sad that we have such brilliant work and there isn't enough work out there for us to preserve our native tongues so something we want to do on the long term but i think we are we still have a lot to learn before we figure out like the right way for us to be able to do that. You know, we, we've spoken about languages, we've spoken about distribution. Do, are you really, really optimistic about the space you're getting into? Um, do, you, do you see it growing uh, a lot in the next you know, decade or two? Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really optimistic. I think the more that I've spent time and read work by um, African authors and just seen the energy and the passion that's like on the continent, I've never been more optimistic that 
African writers are going to rule this space. And you're already starting to see that in like all these big awards where you have Africans that are swooping, like, you know, the whole range of like the big book awards. And I think there's, there's only going to be more of that that happens. So I am really optimistic, really excited about this. And I think what's important for us is how we measure success. I think sometimes people tend to measure success based off like how much money are you going to make and how many books are you going to sell? And while that is a metric that we definitely are going to look at, we're fortunate enough to not have to worry about like the funding aspect of that. And we can really just lean in, um, do everything that it takes to get these books out, to have fun while we're doing it and see what happens. And even I think the cool thing, like when you're asking me about writers who've influenced me before, like Petina Gapa or No Violet, for example, Tsitsi Dangarembwa, they wrote their books whenever, and then they have now influenced, I'm sure none of them know I exist, but they've now influenced this one person who's now coming up and has been inspired by their work to do the next thing. And what I hope is that even if, I don't know, something happens to Makana in like 10 years, that we are going to inspire somebody else to say, well, if Makana can do this, I can do this too, right? And then they start to like break in and over time, like you have a lot more of these like presses that come out that do the very best until African voices really do have like a, a, a bigger stake in the market. What a wonderful way to wrap up our session. Thank you so much, Mnashe, for, for agreeing to be on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for tuning in. Wherever you may be in the world, please have yourself a great morning, a great afternoon, or a great evening. Kwaheri!